This is not good news for Penn State. You are Locked On Nittany Lions, your daily podcast on the Penn State Nittany Lions, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Nittany Lions. Thanks so much for making Locked On Nittany Lions your first listen and watch every single day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. My name is Zach Seiko. I'm your host, and I'm joined by Rivals Publisher for Penn State, Rutgers, UConn. That is Richie Schneiderite over on the other side. And Richie, I wish we were getting together on better terms because there's been some bad news here for Penn State. The latest intel on guys like Benedict Ume, Nick Marsh, some other players that we're going to talk about uh, on this episode are, are not good. Uh, before we get into that, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Uh, this could be a problem because I've been saying for consistent podcasts, and I've been getting some feedback, some uh, some friendly, some not so friendly feedback about saying that Penn State has a top 10 class guaranteed. But this was with the idea in mind that Penn State was going to get Benedict Ume, that Penn State was mm-hmm. going to get T.A. Cunningham, that Penn State was going to get Nick Marsh and get that four wide receiver set for the class of 2024. But uh, aside from like, we'll get to Cunningham in a second, but let's start with the priorities that were remaining out there. And that was Benedict Dume, who was going to be a high-profile defensive lineman for Penn State, and Nick Marsh, who is a big, <laughs> big wide receiver target, literally and metaphorically, for Penn State. And now it sounds like they're going to be going elsewhere. Yeah, so I guess we'll just start with Benedict Ume, um, Canadian native. He's only been playing football for about like a year, year and a half now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's ranked a four, high four-star. Uh, number 151 for us in the country. He's yeah. a phenomenal prospect. He's taken visits to Wisconsin, Duke, Penn State, and Stanford. He's also got Florida in his top five as well. Um, but, yeah, we were very hesitant. I know another, a couple other networks were like, hey, they, everyone heard yeah. like Penn State, Penn State, Penn State, and everyone future-casted them. Everyone crystal-balled them. And I, I told Dylan, like, even Dylan was very close to the future casting at one point. I was like, hold on, hold on. Like, my intel saying something completely different. Let's wait and see what happens with Stanford. I know the kid's very high on the academic side of things, which you can argue most kids are. But when you hear – when I heard it from him and his side of the story, his parents are super, super big on academics. So mm-hmm. this kind of makes sense based on – just based on visits alone when you see Duke, Penn State, Stanford all in the same category. Yeah. Um, you can even argue Wisconsin as well. Florida, uh, we'll, we'll argue that yeah. for another day. But um, uh, yeah, when you see that list, I was, I was told like basically, all right, hold on, let him take the Stanford visit. And then if you're that confident afterward, then then go for the future cast. He takes the Stanford visit and all of a sudden Stanford's in the lead. And it's like, eh, kind of heard what was going to happen already. Yeah. So now we know he's kind of leaning Stanford at the moment. Yeah, and, and Penn State, at least people got the inclination, and so did I, because he posted on social media, him and Cunningham going back and forth about, hey, we're planning something big, hashtag we are right, it's pretty pretty simply put. Uh, and Ume, yeah, consensus four-star, uh, a prospect that Dion Barnes, because I had said that July was going to be the month for Dion Barnes, and this was part of it. It was part of getting Benedict Ume. It was Malachi Williams. Uh, I think the jury's still out on Jalen Harvey, who we're going to discuss in this as well. Uh, but Benedict Ume, part of this was the fact that he did get all these projections to Penn State, that people were giving out ratings of a six or a seven, saying that, hey, we feel pretty confident that Benedict Ume 
is going to Penn State alongside guys like Nick Marsh. So, Richie, what's the latest on Marsh? Because I thought he was going to complete this wide receiver set, but it also didn't make any sense to me that Penn State was recruiting heavily these other wide receiver targets if they were the favorites to land Nicholas Marsh. I know that you don't want to count your chickens before they hatch here, but at the same time, it, they felt really confident that they were going to go to all four of their priority targets. And now it, it seems like they're pivoting and and really having more conversations with other players like a Dre Hawkins, who we know we committed to Florida. But what happened here with Marsh? Yeah, so honestly, before the visit, it sounded like Penn State was really confident that Marsh was still going to end up in State College. Yeah. And um, Marsh, top 50, 55, so he's number 54. Um, 5.93 star, number two in Michigan, number 11 overall wide receiver in the country. Like, phenomenal prospect. Had a top list he put out, and it's Pittsburgh, Oregon, Penn State, Michigan State, Kansas. Took official visits to all of them but Pittsburgh – or but um, but Oregon – um, and like I said before, it sounded like the Nittany Lions were in the heavy lead going into this Michigan State visit this past weekend, and then all of a yeah. sudden he goes to Michigan State. They pitch him on a couple things. Um, it's NIL-related, obviously. Uh, I don't think that's any question about it. Uh, he yeah. was a previous Michigan State commit. He's from yeah. Michigan. He's a River Rogue uh, native of Michigan, and he was committed to, Mich- to the Spartans for about nine months, so it's not too shocking the fact that it sounds like he might recommit, but most recommits and don't end up working out. So we'll, we'll wait and see what happens here, but it does sound like the Spartans have retaken a lead and whether that be NIL incentive based or not, but I mean, definitely sounds like it was, but uh, we'll, uh, we'll see what happens over the next, uh, what is it a week before he commits or a week and a half, something July like that. 7th, so, yeah. Yeah. Week and a half at this point. But uh, yeah, it sounds like Michigan state is in the lead. We'll see if Penn state can somehow swing that momentum back in their favor or not, but Right now, it sounds like uh, Marquise Higgins is going to lose out on this one. I saw all the Twitter posts, right? I think that's where I'm the most active when it, and when it's trying to gather all of this intel. And that's where recruits, that's where they can explain themselves, right? Sure, you can post a picture on Instagram, but you can write out and type out your thoughts <laughs> uh, and really connect with a lot of these people that are reporting on recruiting, like yourself, mm-hmm. like uh, Adam Friedman, uh, just, to, just to name right a couple here, Dylan. And Nick Marsh is an interesting case because he was committed to Michigan state. He, he decommitted. And I feel like maybe that was a chance to say, Hey, are there better options out there? He did say in his Twitter posts that, or at least Twitter posts had said that Nick Marsh did admit that Michigan state, uh, he always loved the place and, and that fire, that passion for Michigan state never really left. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see, end of the day, um, he does love Michigan State. It's his hometown school. Yeah. Um, it's not far from his house. Uh, but at, you're looking at the, the Penn State commitment list right now, and you, you got really, three really good ones right now. Yeah. So you can't argue too much against him staying home, especially when you were able to flip someone who is a local guy in Tysir, Denmark, out of uh, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, over Roman Catholic, who ended up flipping from Oregon. But – you also landed Peter Gonzalez, who's been really good in camp. Uh, mind you, a knee injury last season, but recovered really well. Ran a 4-5, I believe it was, at the recent camp. Um, and for a guy to run a 6-3, 200-pounder off a knee injury to run a 4-5 is insane. Yeah. And then you have Josiah Brown, who's a true speedster, ran a 10.73 100-meter dash, which is like one of the top in all of New York. And I think if I, if I read this correctly, it would be top seven in – um, state championships of Pennsylvania last year. So 
I know their track times technically, but these kids are fast as hell. And when you when you add in to see Denmark, who's got an unlimited potential of a skill set, you can't be too mad when a Nick Marsh type wants to go somewhere else. And plus, I'll be honest with you, I'm a little biased here. I don't think Nick Marsh should be in the top 50. I don't think Nick Marsh should be in the top 150. I think he's a little bit lower than that. And I've been very adamant about that even as when he was a Penn State lean for a couple weeks now. Um, I think he's a little stiff when it comes to his route running, and especially when it comes to the top of his routes. He, he has trouble breaking off of that defender. But um, regardless, it does sound like he's going to end up elsewhere. Uh, Penn State's just going to have to look somewhere else to get wide receivers, especially with Jeray Hawkins committing to Florida, Nick Marsh potentially committing to Michigan State, um, and Jalen Hornsby potentially con- committing to Texas A&M over in the next, uh, I want to say, week at this point. Yeah, that, that one's July 1st. The the everydayers know this in the last podcast, the solo one that I did. Uh, we discussed that Marsh could potentially go back to Michigan State. I said that it's going to, just because of the looming official visit, right? Uh, and that's the hometown school. Marsh and Michigan State was going to continue to battle. So for, for Penn State to miss here, it's not surprising because recruiting, again, it's such a fluid situation. And I just thought it was interesting that Penn State continued to host different wide receiver targets. I know you don't want to show your hand, but it really just didn't make sense to me. We'll continue with what Penn State is going to do next, right? It's the it's trying to figure out what the game plan is going to be moving forward and how all of this happened because, yes, they were Penn State leans. After those official visits, it seemed like the Nittany Lions were a surefire favorite to get guys like Marsh, like Ume, who we've mentioned, David Pale. Pale, before we get to that, let's hear from our sponsor of today's episode, and that is FanDuel. Baseball season is in full swing, folks, and there's no better place to get in on the Major League Baseball action than FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That is right, $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet does not win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything in Major League Baseball. You think Aaron Judge will hit a home run. Max Scherzer goes over on his strikeouts. A sneaky money line underdog pick. You can take any of them. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a bigger chance at a payout with the same game parlay. So don't miss your chance at the no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets. Back when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That is FanDuel.com slash locked on. To get the free, to get your free no sweat first bet up to one thousand dollars, make every moment more with FanDuel, official sports betting partner of Major League Baseball. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. And Locked On Nittany Lions is your go-to podcast for Happy Valley Insider. Visit PennStateRivals.com, HappyValleyInsider.com, whichever one is easiest for you to get all the latest on Penn State recruiting. And we're talking to Richie over from Penn State Rivals, HappyValleyInsider.com. Richie, uh, David Polly Polly was someone who was projected to Michigan. 
then had the Penn State official visit, and it seemed like everything was good for the Nittany Lions. Dion Barnes, the month of July, was going to be the month for him. And, and now USC gets into the mix. And this is interesting because Pale Pale, part of his decision was factored in how close the school was going to be to his current home. Yeah, that, <laughs> that's an interesting one. It, may, it makes me giggle a little bit because um, right. we were told basically – he was going to want to stay home. His family wants him to stay close to home yeah. uh, to the state of Pennsylvania. And that was a big reason why Michigan wasn't a factor anymore. And then all of a sudden he goes out to an official visit to USC this past yeah. weekend. And everyone knew he was going to take that visit. Uh, we waited on it. We were ready to go. Like, I'll be honest with you. Like he's, he's told multiple people he was going to Penn state uh, in, including us. Um, and now all of a sudden that visit changed a lot of things. Yeah. What was said on that visit, me and you will both never know. I think a lot of people in, in the media, in the public eye, will never know what happened. But I think we yeah. can all have a pretty good guess of what probably happened and what was probably said on the table in terms of, uh, you know, dollar signs at this point because NIL is a factor for everyone. And uh, it does sound like he is a USC lean. Uh, it sounds like he will be committing soon, um, relatively, I want to say the next couple of days um potentially this upcoming weekend even um and it does sound like uh the trojans are in the driver's seat now um he's went from a michigan lean for i want to say the past two months to a penn state lean for probably about the past three weeks two weeks maybe and now it's completely flipped to usc and that's just the way recruiting works nowadays it it changes almost hourly like you if i if you ask me about a certain kid say hypo we're gonna go hypothetical here if you ask me about david Pale, pale, like a week ago, I would have told you Penn State, Penn State, Penn State, Penn State. You yeah. asked me about him four days ago. I'm like, Penn State, Penn State, Penn State, Penn State. He takes this visit and it's like, all right, hold on. Time out. USC, USC, USC. And I'm like, all right, well, this is just the way recruiting works nowadays, especially with NIL as a factor. Um, kids can flip really quickly now. Mind you, it does sound like he's probably going to be a Trojan when it comes to his commitment this upcoming week. Um, I don't think it's over. I don't think anything's said yeah. and done by any means. Um, this is just a verbal commitment. It's nothing else. I think this could be a Mason Robinson type situation. Mm -hmm. uh, who is a guy that you guys, most people remember last year is McDonough kid defensive yeah. end committed to Northwestern uh, was a Penn state lean for a long time. Chose the wildcats in uh, I want to say June or July following an official visit. And then all of a sudden I think it was November or December, November. I believe he took an official visit to Penn state flipped immediately. And then there you go. It ends up being a Nittany lion and that's that. So now I think this could be another of the type of those situations where you get the kid, mind you, he already did take his official visit. I think you get the kid back to campus this, this uh, upcoming season, whether it be the whiteout, whether it be another yeah. game. And I think you'd be able to flip them to be honest. I don't think it's unflippable this one, especially because California, I mean, mind you <laughs> nowhere close to the state of Pennsylvania. So Will you get to see him maybe once if you're his family based on the fact that USC is joining the conference? Sure, maybe over his four- to five-year career, but that's about it. I mean, if he comes to Penn State, then you get to see him every weekend for the most part. Yeah, I think Penn State still holds the cards in this case because it he is currently attending high school in Pennsylvania, uh, mm -hmm. originally from Alaska, if I'm not mistaken. So that's why USC, if it had been USC, Oregon, Washington, basically any of those West Coast schools, uh, I, I wouldn't have batted an eye. I did think that Michigan was the interesting one that Penn State was going up against. But then when I saw USC get into the fold, I said, okay, this could be interesting just given that 
like Oregon, they're able to cherry pick select commits uh, or prospects, I should say, right? Uh, that I, I don't know that uh, Penn State is going to be uh, that likely favorite every single time just because USC and Oregon do come over here with NIL. Is that where all this went wrong? It feels like, Richie, for Penn State, it's not because they're being out-recruited. It's because they're being outbid. I think when I think of the Michigan State case with Nick Marsh, We'll go back to him for a second before we figure out what the game plan is moving forward. Uh, Marsh was somebody that is very high up on Michigan State's board because that is the hometown school. He's local and, and they do need that's going to be their premier wide receiver prospect for Penn State. The same mm -hmm. can't be said between Peter Gonzalez, who's really emerged here as of late. He's recovered well from the injuries and he projects well as a prospect. And then you flip your premier target in state in Tizier Denmark, which is the equivalent to Marsh going to Michigan State. And then you get another commit in Josiah Brown, who is almost consensus the top prospect in the state of New York. Mm -hmm. You are not the alpha out of this group for Penn State, but it seems like in this case, NIL is an extreme factor here and Penn State is allocating resources to these guys. It's like, well, here's the problem because I don't want people to get the misunderstanding that, well, Penn State doesn't have the money. They don't have the NIL. They're, they're behind. They don't know what they're doing. No, they do know what they're doing, but Michigan State is going to focus more resources, more attention to someone who's number one on their board versus Penn State who says, okay, well, we do have four of you in this room and we're going to treat you all as equals. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's secret. Penn State has NIL. Um, yeah. Now, they don't have a significant NIL by any means. I'm not saying they're top tier. When they're, and everyone knows who those top tier guys are because they're they're flaunting it too, which is, is kind of mm -hmm. ridiculous. There's just no rules at this point. It's a wild, wild west situation where Miami, Texas A&M, um, Florida, just to name a few, like Florida doesn't get, what was it, five commits in one weekend? Yeah. Uh, unless you have an NIL situation, especially when four of those commits were leaning elsewhere before going into the visit. Like, let's just be honest. Um, Miami does the same thing. Texas A&M has, I, I know it's a joke around college football, but like it's legitimately oil money. Like this is NIL money from like yeah. big oil company, uh, oil company guys. Um, but yeah, no. And I mean, Penn state definitely has a, a pretty good NIL situation, but it needs a little bit of help too. Like I'm not saying, it's going to be a difference maker overnight, but they're going to need some help from the fan base and stuff like that. But um, in terms of donating when it comes to a top prospect versus not top prospect, I think they'd be pretty close to, if not matching for like a, say a Nick Marsh type situation. I just think the fact that it's hometown for him and he's, he's, he was committed to Michigan state in the first place. So he does like the, this program of the Spartans a lot um, is Mel Tucker, the best salesman in the world. No, I personally think if, if you want me to be honest with you, and this is just a non-biased opinion, the man's a con man. <laughs> That's just the way he is. He, he got one really good year with the portal and it's, he banked that season on Kenneth Walker. And that's just, that's just what he is. He had one great season with a great running back. What did he do after that? Absolutely nothing last year. What is he going to do this year? Probably nothing again. I don't see him competing for that big 10 East title or big 10 East title or big 10 uh, championship whatsoever. I don't know if he does it in the future at all. Yeah. And um, I mean, it's, it's, it's tough to like be upset when a kid wants to stay home too, because look at the Tysier Denmark situation. That's what all fans were talking about. Yeah. They're like, why does he stay home? It doesn't make sense. Like he's a Pennsylvania kid. He should be at Penn state. 
and look at it now. Now he's going to Penn State. Now it's like, all right, Nick Marsh doesn't make sense. Why is he going to Michigan State? And I'm like, oh, it's a hometown kid. If he wants to stay home, he wants to stay home. Like I understand that more than anything, and it makes a lot of sense to to me because I'm, <laughs> I'm the product of it. I transferred out of school and I went back home, and I was like, all right, wait, hold on. Like this is just this is home. So it's a little different for uh, from my perspective, but I, it makes sense for Nick Marsh to probably stay home and go to Michigan State in the end. Well, Penn State's still got to be able to fill that void when it comes to recruits. For all the latest in recruiting, you check out happyvalleyinsider.com. And Richie, where can people keep up with what you do individually? Yeah, so, I mean, if you want to keep up with what I do uh, personally, um, pennstate.rivals.com, a.k.a. happyvalleyinsider.com for all your Penn State content. If you want other recruiting content, I retweet just about anything from, from the Northeast area, whether it be offers or um, commitment tweets visit tweets, uh, top fives, et cetera. Follow me on Twitter at, at rivals, Richie. Um, I'm sure you can see it on the podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, if not, it's at rivals, uh, R I C H I E Richie. Um, yeah, just like, like I said, just about everything from, from Northeast recruiting. I'm, uh, all on top of it, all over it. So, um, I want to say I'm your go-to guy when it comes to anything Northeast. And now we get into the game plan here for Penn State in this final segment. And Penn State's not just going to go quietly. They either have to get that scholarship filled by someone that wasn't originally a primary target, but now they move up the board because they're not available anymore. If if that particular prospect is going to commit somewhere else, you got to go with your second, third, fourth option. There are quite a few names that I, I want to know about. I thought that T.A. Cunningham and Benedict Ume were going to be a package deal that if one was going to commit, the other was going to commit. It sounds like people are still fairly confident in the recruiting industry that T.A. Cunningham should be a Penn State lean until further notice, and he's out of the Florida area. So despite the Gators winning all these battles, Richie, Penn State's still going to land at least maybe one or two more prospects out of that out of that region. Yeah, so he's he's an interesting one specifically. He's a 6'6", 270, um, top 250 kid. Uh, he had a little bit of a drop in the rankings because I think he was actually all the way up to 40-something at one point. I'm sorry, he was up to number eight at one point about a year ago. Um, he's taken a, a big dip. So he's from California. Um, he's on his third high school in three years, which I, I, I hate when it comes to prospects. But um, So he, he transferred out of California, and he went over to Miami. Uh, I think it was Miami Norland last year. Mm-hmm. had zero sacks and then went to Miami central this year. And it sounds like he's not even a starter yet at Miami central. What mind you, there is some like younger kids who are probably higher ranked than him. So it, it, it is tough to judge based on that, but it does sound right. like he's taken a little bit of a dip in terms of recruiting. Now Penn state's still pushing for him. There's no question about that. Miami still wants him um, right around the corner at Miami central high school. Um, he's still massive. He's got good size. He really moves good for his size. Uh, it does sound like Penn state's still in the lead there. They did host him, not this past weekend, but two weekends ago. And I'd argue that the Nittany Lions are in the driver's seat for him. I think he's one to keep a close eye on. And and with defensive tackle recruiting specifically with pale, pale going elsewhere and Uma, who is a defensive end for us, probably gonna be a defensive tackle in the future. Um, going elsewhere. I think that they might revisit Xavier Porter. Now he was on campus, another Florida kid out of Tampa, uh, Tampa Catholic high school over in obviously Tampa, Florida. Um, he's a kid. I think they might revisit. So he actually had a top list of Penn state, Louisville and Kansas weird top list for him, but yeah. he's a four-star recruit. It sounded like he was leaning Louisville. It sounds like Kansas made a pretty good push for him. 
not unheard of because I know everyone's going to see those two schools and be like, like why, why are we competing with them? Which yeah. whatever, I get it a little bit, but Kansas has a new D line coach and it's Jim Panagos, who he's a guy I've dealt with a, quite a bit in the Northeast um, during mm-hmm. his time at Temple, during his time at Rutgers, two times at Rutgers actually. And he develops defensive linemen better than I'd argue most people do. Um, so he, he, he has a keen eye for talent and he's at Kansas now. And it sounds like Kansas was the, in the driver's seat. It wouldn't shock me if Penn state just started switching gears here and was like, all right, we lost out on these two guys. Let's go back to Porter and just push for him a little bit. And they could land him pretty quickly. If that was the case, he's around six, four, six, five, two fifty, two sixty range. Um, he's a really good prospect, really good, um, off the snap, quick off the snap. Um, He's a guy I could see them pushing. And then um, obviously Malachi Williams, when it comes to defensive ends, Mal- Malachi Williams out of Pennsylvania, who's number nine in Pennsylvania for our class, which I think is severely underrated. Um, super fast off the snap, if you want to talk about that. But uh, he's he's leaning Penn State, it sounds like. And then Jalen Harvey's the last one that I'm, I'm keeping an eye on. I still have a future cast for him to go to Penn State. Had that future cast in for <laughs> quite some time. <laughs> I don't I don't know how long it's been. Everyone I talk to keeps saying like, yeah, he's going to go to Penn State. He's going to go to Penn State. He's going to go to Penn State since we're talking October at this point. Um, and it sounded like he was going to – like every time he goes to campus, it sounds like the staff expects him to commit. And since I submitted that future cast, it's been one, two, three, four, five visits to campus, and he still hasn't committed. So that's where I'm a little lenient now. Um, he did visit Florida this, this uh, June. He visited Tennessee – a couple of times he visited Maryland most recently this past weekend. I don't think they're a factor. I think it's more of like a Florida Penn state USC battle. Um, he did visit USC. I'm sorry. I forgot to include that one back on the 16th, but I would argue it's probably more Penn state or Florida. Yeah. I like to think Penn state's still in the lead there. They do really well when it comes to Maryland defensive linemen. I don't <laughs> Don't ask me how, but they just they are able to pull it out, whether it be denied in Sutton, Mason yeah. Robinson, for example. Um, we, we can even go back to, to King PJ a couple of years ago. But yeah. uh yeah, no, they do really well when it comes to Maryland defensive linemen. And um, I think this might be the next one. I think he could be a I know he's a little outside linebacker for us, but when when you look at the size and you see six two, two forty three, it's like, all right, hold on, like let's push him down a bit. <laughs> yeah. So he he will be an edge rusher when it comes to it. Um, I think it's just a matter of more of if USC or Florida really throws out like the dollar signs at him, which it doesn't sound like they are currently. Yeah. So it does sound like he'll be a Penn State lean as well. So just based off what I just said, we'd go with Cunningham, uh, Williams, and Harvey near guarantees to be commits soon, sooner or later. And then Porter's another one I keep an eye on. And then the one I actually completely forgot, um, DeAndre Cook is uh, yeah. the end for us. I've heard, yeah, for rivals, strong side defensive end for rivals, 6'4, 258. You kind of get the consensus here. They're all around the 260 range, little undersized for defensive tackles. That's why they're DNs for us in terms of our rankings, but they will be defensive tackles at the next level by the time they pack on 15, 20. Oh, yeah. Uh, DC kid, really good kid, 5'5, five, five, three star, which I, again, don't want to pick too much on our rankings, but that one, that one I don't like at all. I think it should be <laughs> times higher. Similar to Xavier Porter um, or Xavier Gillum, sorry. Um, I think he should. They should both be ranked higher. He visited North Carolina, Boston College, and Rutgers. BC was this past weekend, but I have him heavily leaning Penn State, and I think he uh, he will decide this Friday, I believe, on July first. 
And uh, that one should be wrapped up relatively quickly with the other two to three wrapped up uh, within the next couple weeks. And then what do you think this is going to do, Richie, to the class of 2024 ranking? Because I was confident, again, we talked about how recruiting will change day to day, hour to hour. I, I was confident that Penn State had a class of 2024 group that was going to be top 10, definitely. They might finish 8, 9, or 10, but definitely on that bottom side. Uh, top five was going to be difficult to do, but it was definitely possible with the way that things were trending. Well, now things are trending in the opposite direction. Does this push them out of the top 10 in your mind? For me, it it kind of does at this point. I hope that changes when July rolls around and they are able to re-recruit and maybe they can get a Benedict Dume. Maybe things change with Nick Marsh, but the way these things uh, are projecting, it doesn't sound good and that Penn State is going to fall out of the top 10 and maybe push closer to the 15 and hopefully not below. Yeah, so I mean, right now they're number six for us. That's uh, 20 commitments So pretty solid, yep. So, I mean, you factor in the three to, say, four names I just put in there. Uh, Four-star, 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 three-star. So, um, we'll see if all those happen. As long as they happen, I think that they have a really good shot at still finishing top 15, 100%. Top 10, probably say I'm 75% confident just because some of these guys are going to get upgrades too. Yeah. Um, Just for example, like a John Mitchell down in Jacksonville, I think the more we get eyes on him, the more we're going to notice that He's a dominant corner. He's a lockdown corner. He's a great one-on-one person. Um, Caleb Brewer impresses me every time. I know we have him listed as an athlete, although yep. he could be an offensive lineman, defensive lineman, whatever. Anything. <laughs> Anything. I, really. It doesn't even matter because he, he's that good. Um, Egan Boyer is one I'm keeping a close eye on. A lot of people are underrating him, and I think it's just because of his lack of weight. Um, he is 6'8", which is massive. But 6'8", 260, you, you look at him, he's kind of lean with his his, uh, his frame and everything. And our, our rankings sometimes are based on pro potential, and obviously he needs to pack on weight in order to even get to that pro potential. Um, I think he's going to pack on a lot of weight this offseason. From what I've been told, he's already packed on 12 to 15 pounds based on the 260 range. So do the math there, it's like 272 to 275. If he can keep packing that on by the time September comes and get up to 280 or so, that's going to be huge for his development. And I think on top of that, he's just got a nasty mean streak to him. And I think he's going to be a really, really good lineman. I think that was a sneaky good get for them. Um, on top, uh, just looking at the rest, the rest of the list, Ethan Gruckenmeyer uh, has been phenomenal. He looked really good in the Elite 11. Um, maybe not t- top five good, but he was still a top 10 quarterback by far. Um, currently, I think we have him in like 20-something, so... I think that's going to change when our next rankings update comes out. Um, Vabu Toure, I love. I think he's a phenomenal prospect out of Irvington High School. I think I think a big knock on him is that he plays such bad competition sometimes, which he gets lazy and he sees that and he knows, <laughs> he, knows he can get away with the laziness. And I, it drives me nuts a little bit because like, I see him in, in camps and in, in yeah. uh, just practices for his high school team. And I'm like, dude, like, you're so good. Just stop being lazy. Like <laughs> I don't have to be, I don't have to push. Like that guy's not going to run past me. And I'm like, I know, but like show your like charisma, yeah. like be out there, like you line up and get ready. He's like, nah, that kid can't run past me. We're fine. And I'm like, no, like, you can't do that. Um, he can be really good. Josiah Brown. Um, I think he'll end up getting a fourth star when it's all said and done. He's a super speedster kid. Like I mentioned before, 10.73, uh, 100, 100 meter dash, which is equivalent to, I believe, a 4.540. Maybe 
maybe a little lower. I know he's clocked a four, four, four before on a laser, which you guys hear that. And it's like, Oh, Oh my God, that kid's fast. Like, uh, he just needs to learn the game a little bit more. Um, he's, he's still figuring it out. And, uh, I know he's been playing football for a long time and he's another one. He plays such bad competition that you can, you don't even have to run around the guy. You can literally just go cut left and like that guy falls right. And it's like, all right, and, like, what, what are we doing? What are we doing out here? Um, so if, as long as he gets to play some better competition this year, which it sounds like they're going to, um, cause they're going to travel to New Jersey a couple of times to play kids. Um, by other high schools so i think he's gonna be a four star so it's gonna be really close to that top five range i still think they will finish top 10 when it's all said and done with all with all the updates with all the new commitments and all that so i think this is still going to be a very very good class for penn state yeah you mentioned grunk meyer luke reynolds i think is going to get a boost so those are just a couple that come to mind for me who are very underrated as three stars ultimately mm-hmm. should be four stars at the end of the day, Penn State is going to be around that border. It, it felt safe to me that they could be seventh or eighth because I know Alabama is going to jump back into the top five eventually. Uh, Ohio State, I just I hate it. Uh, they've been doing they've been doing well as of late, but they've real they're going to start to solidify themselves as a top five as well. And then that bumps Penn State down a few spots. But top ten, still very confident about that. And hopefully it doesn't get into 15 and even worse uh, inside of the top 20. But Richie, like I said, I started this episode off with, I wish we could have met on better terms. We could have had a discussion on better terms, but this is, this is the news cycle, right? We're just, we're recording the latest and hopefully some fortunes change with some other targets that they have left out there in the Mm -hmm. month of July. Yeah. I mean, hopefully next time we get a couple commitments by now. And then, like I just mentioned before, there could be upwards of three, four, maybe even five commitments over the next couple of weeks. Thanks again for checking out this episode of Locked On Nittany Lions. If you like what we do here, follow along on Twitter at Locked On Nittany. You can follow my personal account at Zach underscore Seiko. Review us wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, subscribe to Locked On Nittany Lions on YouTube. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.